Um, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, the word awesome came out, and uh, it was coined way back then and th- during those hippie days. Brother Jody, you probably remember those days. Uh, <clears throat> but it was coined way back then, and uh, there's there's a little stigma to to that, or at least there used to be. You know, if you heard somebody say awesome, it was just the same as hearing somebody say, oh, that's rad, that's tubular, man. And uh, so people in church, y'all ain't never heard tubular? That may, I may have said it wrong. I don't know. I got to see. Hey, I'm an old soul. Come on. You old folks, help me out here now. And so, um, you know, it kind of got to where, you know, if you said that, it was almost disrespectful in the house of God. And then it came to the point where uh, it was adopted by a lot of the contemporary, more modern churches that, you know, he's an awesome God. And so then churches like us, we said, no, we can't say that in church. That's disrespectful to God. And I can see that, but truly there's, there's almost, there's almost a, a, a sense for me when I say that God is awesome, there is a sense for me that, that I'm at a lack of words. I'm at a loss of words because Awesome doesn't just mean cool or, or really neat, but it means it's full of awe and it evokes awe. Awesome. Some is that, that part of that root that means it's full. And the first is it's awe. And so we're full of awe. And uh, I am in awe of God's amazing grace. And I'm thankful for it tonight. Um, just kind of kind of weeding my way through some things. I told you this morning that I may be preaching out of Genesis chapter number 19, and I really don't know what gear I'll be. Now, now unless you've stood up here, you don't understand the gear ratio. Uh, you've got kind of grandma low. That's just, you know, just up here talking, kind of conversationalist, you know. Uh, and then you get on up there and you get into overdrive and that's where you're preaching and babies get thrown in the air and things like that. And so uh, I'm just trying to figure out what gear really to get in. And um, be honest with you tonight, uh, I had uh, I, sometimes as preachers, we we wonder why in the world God would want something. And then we kind of in our minds look in the congregation. And we say, well, they could probably use that. Um, not Not that we're trying to preach at them, but... Uh, just, you know, we, we try to figure out what God really wants and why He wants it. And so, uh, throughout the day, um, even just right after church, I was reading through this, trying to figure out why, uh, God would want it and tried to talk Him and me out of it. Um, tonight I got to the church early and, uh, I really don't know. And so I don't really know what God's gonna give us. I got just a couple things written down here, uh, based on a thought that I mentioned to you this morning. And so we're going to be, we're going to really be in Genesis chapter number 19, but I do want us to look back over in Genesis chapter 13 and uh, reread verse number 12 and verse 13. We skipped these this morning, and so maybe we'll not reread them, but read them for the first time. And uh, I'm going to try to be brief this morning or this evening. Of course, I tried that this morning and uh, it didn't work that well, but we'll, we'll give it another shot tonight. Uh, verse number 12 of Genesis chapter 13, it says, uh, Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. That'll be very important here in a moment. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. 
Now, I know that there's been a lot of folks that have been in Scripture and without Scripture, they have been coined as wicked. But generally speaking, being wicked means that you are a sinner. But here, Moses, as he's writing Genesis chapter 13, I believe under the inspiration of God, thought it fit not only to say that they were wicked, but they were also sinners. If I could say it like this, Brother Kurt, they were, they were a special kind of sinner. And I know we try our best not to put weight on sin, but reality must set in. You probably won't go to prison for stealing a pack of gum or for telling a little, if I could say it, Brother Jody, a little white lie. But now if you molest somebody, you kill somebody, you harm somebody, then the, the law of the land has put weight on those... And so God here says that they were wicked and they were sinners. What what does it say here? Before the Lord, and then he uses this, exceedingly. So they were wicked, they were sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And so that is, uh, that's all we're going to read there in chapter number 13. But chapter number 19, we'll read several other verses. Just kind of bear with us as we uh, plow through this. But chapter number 19, many of you know the story. We may recap it here in a moment. But I'm going to start in verse number 15. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened, hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Verse 16. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto them. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. Now turn with me over to verse number 31. And it says, And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him that we may preserve seed of our father. Now, just because of uh, ears that are here today, I'm going to try to be sensitive uh, to some of the things that I need to point out. And and uh, maybe the Lord will give me grace to not have to say some of these things. But uh, I feel today that um, uh, that we need to address some things here in chapter number 19. I don't have a title. I don't have points. I just got some bullets written down here. So um, I'm not going to be able to help you with that. But I want us to look again. And we see from chapter number 12 when Abram is told by God to get out of his family, get out, leave his family, leave his homeland, leave his kindred, leave all of those things, says that he was 75 years old. If you were to look back in chapter number 17, you will find in verse number 1 that he is 99 years old. And so there's 24 years there. If we turn the page again and we look in chapter number, uh, I believe it's chapter number 21, we find that he is 100 years old. So there's between 24 and 25 years span uh, from when Abram left it all and began to follow God until now in chapter number 19, chapter uh, of Sodom and Gomorrah. 
And we find here that these years have passed, and if we understand Scripture right, generally, uh, one chapter to the next oftentimes is quite a few years. And so we find just several, matter of fact, maybe seven chapters between chapter 12 and 19. And there's been up to 25 years that have passed, Brother uh, Terry. And in that 25 years, we see early on, I said early on, we see in chapter 13 that uh, Lot joined himself with the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. So let's just say, let's just be, let's be conservative in this and say that at least for 20 years, possibly 24 years, but at least for 20 years, Lot has lived in Sodom. He is apparently during this time, Brother Stanley, he's found a wife. He's had four children. And he, in this time, those four children, two of those are married. Now you say, well, wait a minute, they're, they're 20 years and so maybe the math doesn't doesn't figure out. Maybe they maybe they married young. Understand during this time they did marry very young. Some as young as thirteen. Braylon, you listening? You ain't get married at thirteen, youngin. Okay. But some as young as thirteen. But in this these twenty years, brother Kurt, he's raised his family in this wickedness and in this sin that the Bible talks about in chapter 13. Now, I believe all of us know the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. There's, there's, at this point, there's no need to recount that. But he's, they open the door to the tent, there it is. And I'm not being funny, but it, if I could say it like this, every imagination that they may have had, had a little bit of that in it. If they had televisions, they turned it on, that's where it was. Had the radio, that's where it was. They watched the commercials, there it was. This sin was before them. Sounds an awful lot about how we're raising our children today. Somebody help me. Everywhere you turn. Well, I took my kids yesterday, and don't crucify me, but I took my kids yesterday to watch a movie, and right in the middle of the movie, this one of the main characters said, here's my two moms. Now, it had no bearing whatsoever on the movie. They were in it. Y'all, girls, help me. Maybe 45 seconds, no longer than a minute. They gone. It had no bearing on it, but it was introduced. It was introduced. My two moms. 20 years, he's kept his children. He's kept his wife. He's raised his children. He's married his children into this. Now, that's only by, if I could say it, it's only by the grace of God that his daughter's married two men. Specifically, it says... Sons-in-laws. They could have been with another woman, if you get my drift. But instead, they, they married sons, or they married men. But this is interesting that two of them, they stayed to the house. They, they weren't old enough to go out. They weren't old enough. But when trouble came here in the beginning of chapter number 19, Lot said, I want to give you my two pure, chaste daughters, and you can have your way with them. Just don't hurt these men. I got a feeling that Lot really wasn't concerned that much about fatherhood. Wasn't concerned that much about raising his kids the right way. He said, what does all this got to do with anything? Well, I got to revert back to our morning message. That was a choice in the matter. 
That was a choice in the matter. Peter called him just Lot. Peter said that he was a righteous man, but was vexed with this mess, if I could say that. But here we are in 2022 where, where millennia separated from Genesis chapter number 19. But we're still, daddies, I know it's Mother's Day. Daddies, we're still making choices for our kids. And some of them are wrong. Some of us are making choices. Some of y'all don't even have children yet. Don't even have children. But you're making choices right now that will affect your children. And here for 20 years, he's, he's, he's it, it pinched, pitched his tent toward Sodom. We can argue about that all the time. But I believe, personally, he was still in that valley, still in that plain of Jordan. He pitched his tent toward the city. He could hear the music. He could see maybe the lights. No doubt he could see the lifestyle. He saw the comings and goings. He tore down his tent. He got a little closer and a little closer and a little closer until he was at the gate. And the Bible kind of kind of declares that he was a keeper at the gate. He was there inside the gate and people that came and go checked in with him. And here he was, he was supposed to be a just man, a righteous man, but he allowed the sin of this city or the city to vex his soul. The problem is, it's not, I'm not so tore up about Lot's soul. I'm tore up about his four daughters. He lost, Abby, all four daughters. The statement that I made this morning is just because someone comes out of the world doesn't mean they're in the Lord. There were two young ladies that got married and they, with their husbands, heard their daddy's plea, come out, we got to go. God's fixing to destroy this place. And the Bible said there in verse number 14, but he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. So we don't believe you. This word mocked, it almost carries the idea of being drunken. He said, you're drunk. You're speaking out of your head. We, we, don't, we don't know what you're saying is truth or not. And I'll tell you something. If we vex ourselves with the devil and then we try to suddenly become religious and suddenly try to speak the truth, that's the way we'll seem as well. He seemed as one that mocked, but listen to verse number 16. And while he lingered, they had just told Lot what they were going to do. Lot the night before just realized how wicked the men were. They were trying to break the doors down so that those men could have their way with the two angels that came into the city. And Lot is trying to give these wicked men their daughters. He finally realized. The angels smote those men on the outside. They were blind. They couldn't see. I believe they... Let me see if I could find it again. He says, stand back. 
They pressed, verse 9, they pressed sore on the man. They almost broke down the door, verse 10, but the men put forth, the angels put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the door or into the house to shut the door, verse 11. They smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. They were rabid. They were so wicked and so sinful that they were rabid in their desire to have these men. But still, Lot lingered. What about it? He's already, he's already lost two of his daughters and his sons-in-law. He's already lost them, Kurt. They're, they're not going. And while he lingered, while he tried to, I believe, Jody, he counted the cost. They're staying. Do I stay? While they lingered. The Bible says that the angels, one angel grabbed Lot by one hand, grabbed his wife by one hand, the other angel grabbed one daughter by one hand and the other daughter. And so here they, the, the two angels are walking out. There's six of them walking out of the city. And he takes them out of the city. They're free. They're set free. They're, 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 they're delivered from the judgment that was to come. There's a little bit of discussion there. And the angels say, okay, go on to Zoar. So they went to Zoar, but this is the goofiest thing. The reason they went to Zoar is because the angels told him to go up to the mountains. Lot said, I'm too scared to go into the mountains. Some beast, some wild animal will come and consume us. Can we go to this little city called Zoar? And they said, go on to Zoar. The very next thing that we see, Samuel, they've left Zoar and now they're back in the mountain where they were so fearful to be. And right there, the daughters, being raised up in this wickedness, being raised up in this vile atmosphere, they begin to think. They were free. They had been brought out of that thing. They had been delivered from all the judgment. Now, if we could say it like this, they've left the world behind them. And they've got a fresh start in front of them. But because of what they were raised in, they were still lost. The older said to the younger, Hey, we're here in the mountains by ourselves. There's nobody. There's a city just right down the road. We're here in the mountains. We're never going to be able to marry a man. We're never going to be able to have kids. Let's get our daddy drunk and have kids by them, by him. You see, I told you earlier, he lost all four children. All four. And his wife. And his wife. There's a whole other message in the wife. But he lost all four of his children. Two thought he was a liar. Two thought he was just a drunken, crazed idiot. Two said, okay, Daddy, I'll follow you. This is where we're at tonight. This is where I really want to be. Okay, Daddy, I'll follow you. Whatever you say, I'll do it, Daddy. They looked the part. They followed the angel. That's a whole other thing. This wasn't just daddy and mama grabbing them by the hand. This was an angel of God that grabbed them and took them to safety. But then they still devised this plan. They may have been delivered from Sodom and Gomorrah, but they were still in a place where they shouldn't have been. The original mandate, go in the mountains. 
But God showed, it said, the Lord showed mercy on them. And so he sent them to Zoar. And now what is it? The Bible says. They're supposed to be in Zoar, Stanley. That's where they're supposed to grow up. It was a city, might not have been great, but it was better than Sodom and Gomorrah. It was a step up in the world, if, if I could say it like that. They didn't have as much sin and wickedness that, like Sodom and Gomorrah had. They could have raised, he could have raised his two daughters there and maybe had a chance, an opportunity to change some things and for them to really get their hearts right. But instead, because he couldn't figure it out, because he was fearful, he went to the mountain and he stayed. He was there and lost his other two girls. They did according to their plans. One night the oldest, the next night the youngest, and they both had two, both had a baby. They called the name of one Moab, the Moabites. The other was Ben Ami. And that's the son of Ami, the son of their father. And he became the father of the Ammonites. In Deuteronomy chapter number 23, maybe around verse number 5 or something like that. I got it wrote down. Verse number 3. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse number 3. I'm just paraphrasing. I don't have it right here. But God said that the Moabites and the Ammonites, they shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. They're vile. They're wicked. They come from wickedness. He said they're not going to be. And throughout, all the way through Ezekiel, the people of Israel fought with the Ammonites and the Moabites. Finally in Ezekiel, he says, God's going to do this and He's going to wipe them out and they'll never be remembered anymore. His two daughters escaped the brimstone and the fire, but the effects of their lives had already set in. The effects of daddy's choice 20 years ago had already set in. Their minds and their hearts, hearts rather, they were warped. Preacher, I'm confused. I don't, don't really know what you're trying to say. Well, that's two of us. I don't apologize for anything I've said, but Again, this is, this is where my heart is tonight. Just because someone comes out of the mire doesn't necessarily mean that they're in God. Psalm 40 said, I waited patiently for the Lord and He inclined unto me and He, He lifted me up also out of the horrible pit. And so, it kind of goes back to this morning's message. You can lift up your head and you can make your own decisions or you can wait for God to lift up your head and allow Him to show you some things. Here, these girls, they were out of all of the trouble that was happening there, but the effects were still there. They come out of the world. They, they essentially, they cleaned themselves up now but they're not in Him. There's a lot of folks that they're trying to clean themselves up. They're getting out of the mire and they think they're okay, but they're not. Because it's not a working of God. This happens in churches. 
I, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. Several years ago at Camp Canaan, I don't remember what year it was, maybe three or four years ago, I was so scared. It was, I think we had it, had this happen during one of the youth services, but I feel like this was the night service. There were several people came down, and I don't know why. I do not know why kids like me. I don't like most of them, but these kids love me, and we go up there and, and hey, hey, Brother Jamie, will you pray with me? Yes, I'll pray with you. Will you pray with me? Or somebody will see somebody praying. Will you go down and pray with them? And I'm like, there's 12,000 other people here. Can they not pray with me? So it fell my lot. And I was down there and got down and prayed with one. And they said, I need to be saved. So I told them how to be saved. I prayed with them, asked them, Did you? yes, I got saved. Praise the Lord. I'm not making light of it. Please don't misunderstand me. This happened over and over again. I think it was like there was at least ten in this one particular service that got saved. And I got up and my, I was trembling, Samuel. I was trembling. Because I know what their mouth said. And it's not that I was doubting what happened. But I was so scared that they came down in, in an emotional torrent that was happening. And they just, they just said the words. I knew that there was, I'm not saying that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was at home, but I knew that they were living in Sodom and Gomorrah. They were living in wickedness at the house. And they had what, they wanted to be clean. And they wanted what everybody else had, but to this day I'm afraid that that raising was still on them. And they're not really saved. I don't know. I really don't know. But I got up and I looked at Brother Langston. And I did one of these numbers, Brother Langston. And, man, so full of wisdom. After church, with those big gorilla hands. So I went up to him. He said, brother, don't let it bother you. He said, you've done what you could. He said, it's up to God from there. Because he knew. He'd been there before. He'd ran a bus ministry. He'd had a bunch of kids say, hey, I want to be saved. And it was, it was just words. Why am I telling you this tonight? No clue. Do I think it affects any of you in here tonight? I don't know. But I want you to know that tonight, not everybody, not everybody that says they've come out of the world are in Christ. That's a scary place to be. Scary place to be. Because one of these days they're going to say, Lord, Lord. Have, I love that echo. Have we not done many wonderful works in thy name? And Jesus may say to them, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. These girls, they were saved, miraculously saved from destruction. But because of their, if I, if I say it like this, their heritage, because of the choice of their father, 
their minds and their hearts were steeped in wickedness and in sin before God. And at the moment of a choice in their own life, just like their daddy, they chose the wrong way. Let's stand.